Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'd like to welcome a guest into the show who has an established track record as a cybersecurity leader in Canada. He's also a regular uh, guest on Global BC, CKNW, News 1130, the Vancouver Sun, as well as the BBC News. And on top of this, he's also a comedian, mentor, and most important of all, an amazing father to two kids. So, Dominic Vogel, welcome to the show. Christian, that was a heck of an intro. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. It was a mouthful, man, but you, you know, your, your reputation precedes you. <laughs> Very honored to be here, my friend. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's get this party started. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've done a little bit of an introduction, but, you know, give us a bit more background about yourself, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, where to get started? I mean, uh, career-wise, I've been in cybersecurity mm-hmm. my entire professional career. You know, it's the only career field I've ever really known and, and loved. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the, the first 10 years of my career were mainly in the, in the, uh, in the financial services uh, uh, sector uh, here in Vancouver, BC, where where, where I reside, and um, I uh, I worked my way up the corporate ladder during my ten year uh, corporate career, and eventually was in charge of cybersecurity for a, a fairly large credit union, and then just one day I realized how much I hated the nine to five, and uh, went out on my own and uh, went on an entrepreneurial journey, and uh, past five years have been building Cyber SE, which is my advisory firm, and you know we've. Right. Uh, just on the SMB market, small and mid-sized businesses. Um, that's where the good people are. And I love working with those types of organizations. And uh, God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been a ton of fun, you know, and it's allowed me to do a lot of speaking opportunities, uh, being on podcasts like this one. And uh, you know, very much now, that's how I spend a lot of my time is relationship building and brand building and spending a hell of a lot of time on LinkedIn as well. So um, that's, that's me um, uh, professionally, personally. Uh, I have an amazing wife and two young kids, a 10-year-old daughter and uh, three-year-old son James, who's uh, often a, uh, I get a lot of good stories and lessons learned that I get from him that I always share on on, on LinkedIn as well. So, uh, uh, for those who aren't following me, please feel free to to follow <laughs> along. Yeah. Uh, on feed. yeah. No, I mean, thanks so much for sharing that, um, Dominic. And uh, yes, I, I I dare presume that um, I think James is becoming even more of a LinkedIn celebrity than you are these days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he is. I mean, he's he's got the cuteness factor down pat. So that that's a thing oh yeah, that I, I struggle with. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> it's, it's what what's really neat, I think, and a lot of people, um, I think, truly um, miss the boat on and don't understand is. Uh, at the end of the day, we're all humans, you know, and, you know, people talk about B2B, B2C, all those other, you know, crappy acronyms. And I remember there was um, a friend of mine um, who told me, and she said, you know, that really the only acronym that matters is H2H. And I said, well, what's that? She said, human to human. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter what someone sells. If they, if they know you, they like you and they trust you, uh, that's a strong human bond there. And you don't get that bond by just being an expert. I mean, obviously, yes, it's important to be an expert. Uh, you need to have that pedigree, but you can't just be hopping that out day in and day out. You you, you need to be you need to be human to 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 truly start building something. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you you know that that's such a great point. I mean, you know, in fact, I was on a I was on a podcast interview the other day, and um, you know the uh, the host asks me about like um, you know 
some of the things that are going on in the world of B2B and how, you know, where it's going and how, how we can improve. And I think one of the things, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, not, er- I, I, okay, let me just say for the record, not everybody, okay, but <laughs> more often than not, um, B2B tends to be the repeat offender of like, let's not make our marketing too exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? So, <laughs> um, and let's, let's not focus too much on the, the, the human aspect of it. Um, but you know, fortunately the tide's beginning to turn in that regard. So that's why I'm, that's why I had to throw in that caveat and say like, not everybody is guilty of this. Right. But at the end of the day, it really is about, um, you know, people interacting with people. I mean, like certainly like what, you know, what you've, just uh, rightfully alluded to, you know, certainly they're also after technology. They're also after expertise and solutions and so forth. But at the end of the day, they also want to know who's the person behind all of that, right? Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. it, 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 exactly. And, and that's where, you, know, you, you especially when you talk with a lot of, um, you can tell sort of when people are more of a traditional marketing mindset and those that are a bit more you know, modernized, for lack of a better term, um, and uh, those who just say, no, you know what, work is for work. You know, we separate work from, from personal life and that type of thing. Um, sure, you may have been able to make that argument prior to COVID. Now, during COVID, you, if you if you think that's true, then you're an idiot. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's those lines aren't just blurred. There are no lines. You know, the they are one in the same, you know. And um, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a firm believer that um, – you know, humans have that longing to be for, for connection, for community. And, you know, uh, if I'm looking at two, you know, two or three different experts, let's say for a, a marketing function or comms function, hell, even for, if I need like, like a, a CFO as a service type function, um, if to me, it's like, okay, well, if they're all obviously experts in their own right, and I'm able to tell that they are experts, um, then that those all negate themselves. To me, then it's like, okay, well, the next level of differentiation is, do I like you? Are you someone um, that is someone that uh, um, is able to, to sort of let their guard down, someone that I can get to know, you know, and, uh, um, you know, it, it, to me, it, I, I truly believe that leading with that type of, that's to me is almost a level of emotional intelligence and empathy that uh, modern leaders need to embrace leaders that are still stuck in that mindset of the 1950s of, you know, we're not friends outside of work. Um, that's, that's, um, by the wayside. Again, we don't all have to be chummy buddies, you know, going out for, for beer, um, uh, after every meeting, but because of the fact of things like LinkedIn and because of, uh, video conferencing platforms, we can have friends globally, you know, it's not just uh, restrained to your backyard. So uh, I truly believe that that human factor is going to be more and more of a competitive advantage for people who embrace that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dominic, let's talk about, um, you know, you know, the key focus of our discussion today, um, which is something that clearly has affected a lot of people, not just during this pandemic, but even, you know, prior to that. And it's clearly a topic that, you know, you're, you've built your career and expertise upon, and that's on cybersecurity. Okay. So for the benefit of the listeners, just walk us through what you believe um, constitutes a cyber threat, which in turn requires cybersecurity in order to protect the assets of a business or an organization? Yes. Great, great question, Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll sort of lay out the narrative like this. So um, sure. especially during COVID, we have seen 
even more organizations move online, or maybe even mm-hmm. I mean, just through the context of, of SM, small, mid-sized businesses and organizations, um, because of the need to um, be increasingly more digital, because of the need to be increasingly more virtualized, um, co- coming with that and moving deeper and deeper into a digital economy comes um, cyber risk. Just like there's a physical risk in the world uh, to physical stores, there is a cyber risk uh, for for uh, you know, the digital organizations, of which you know pre- pretty much every organization now has a digital footprint. And again, further sort of scraping that down or um, breaking that down to different components. One component is the external threats. So external threats are, uh, especially for small mid-sized organizations, are cyber criminals. Uh, criminals that are going to try and uh, digitally break into your organization, uh, steal data. They're going to try and hold that data for ransom. They're going to try and maybe hold your systems for ransom so you're unable to access any of your, your digital systems. If you pick a, a, any SMB right now, and if you were to say, okay, if we were to lock out your IT systems for a day, would you be able to proceed as a company? vast majority of organizations would just not be able to work. Hell, you just even take away email, people lose their damn mind, you know? So um, that, that, that these are the types of things from an external point of view that many SMBs haven't really thought of. You know, they, they're thinking, well, we're too small of a target or, you know, we're, uh, the bad people are only going to go after the, uh, the large companies, that, that type of thing. The, the other component, though, is a, what I'll refer to as a business competitive advantage. And this, this is especially true for organizations that, uh, I know I just trashed the acronym earlier, but I'll still use it, the B2B <laughs> uh, 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 organizations. So companies that sell yeah. to other businesses, uh, yeah. what we're seeing, especially to larger organizations, what we're seeing there is that the larger enterprises are clamping down on downstream risk or, or um, third-party risk uh, through vendor risk management uh, um, capabilities. And really, if they are engaging with a um, you know a small vendor, they don't want to take on that vendor's cyber risk. So as a result, these larger companies are now doing incredibly in detail um, uh, due diligence to find out the cybersecurity capabilities or the cyber risks of potential vendors. So let's say you're small company A, and you know your competitor is small company B. Let's say you both sell the same software as a service platform uh, to, to large enterprises. If small company B is able to quickly demonstrate the, uh, their cybersecurity capabilities and company A is not, company B will get that contract. Uh, and that that's right now is a huge, huge swing, which we're seeing. Rather than just focusing on the external bad, and the, the threat actors and all that is bad, but now you can equate cybersecurity with actually losing revenue and losing out on big contracts. Now there's a very clear business case as to why you need to invest in cybersecurity. If you don't, well, you're 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 truly you are putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. No, that's incredible. And um, you know, there was a couple of things um that you brought up which I think were uh, really like um spot on. Um, so are you are, are you saying pretty much like that? Um, larger organizations, for example, I mean, like oh, sure they have vetting processes, you know, and, and especially if they're looking at, um getting, you know, uh, getting services from like, you know, external providers and such. And are you saying that if these external providers are uh, more, I, I guess the word is cyber compliant? Yes. Um, then 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 the probability of them securing the business is actually higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and we're seeing that more and more, uh, even in organizations that aren't in uh, regulated sectors, you know, it used to just be, right. you know, the banking sector was paranoid and healthcare sector was paranoid. Yeah. 
Now it's everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, exactly. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this later on, but you know, this is this is definitely interesting, and I think this hits uh, this probably hits close to home for a lot of small businesses, Dominic. And uh, just maybe break it down a little bit for us, because you know, certainly when you're talking about things like cybersecurity, for those that are not familiar with that territory, the first thing as a small business that's probably come to mind is like, it's going to be expensive, right? Right. Yeah. And that's probably one, certainly one impediment. You know, which is preventing them from like actually like, uh, you know, exploring that path and actually taking those necessary precautions. So can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for, for sure. You know, and, and I think it's important for uh, um, especially SMB owners and executives to mm. um, to keep in mind that um, these cybersecurity doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't mean that you need to drop, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, on the latest and greatest technology or gear, mm-hmm. um, that uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. I'm a firm believer that, um, it, even just a matter of taking the time to invest in things like, uh, security culture, having a more, uh, aware, uh, employee base and staff base in terms of what the online threats are and, and how, and how they should act online, uh, developing secure data handling practices, uh, making sure that uh, you're leveraging um, security technologies like multi-factor authentication for email access or remote a- uh, access. These are all things that they already have uh, the ability to do. It's just a matter of going ahead and doing it and allocating time and resources to it. It doesn't require any additional uh, capital expenditures uh, or, or hits to the budget. Um, just doing some of the, yeah. what I refer to as cyber hygiene, basically the equivalent mm-hmm. of brushing your teeth, going uh, having a shower, that type of thing. Um, that, that, that can go a long, long way. And so many S, uh, SMBs just even fail to do the, the, the basic cyber hygiene steps. Right. Yeah. Cyber hygiene. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, um, and, and it's really interesting, Don, like, um, you know, some, some of these things that you've talked about in the past couple of minutes. I mean, um, what I'm hearing you saying is, you know, taking those necessary steps to ensure, um, you know, that your cybersecurity in your business is up to par doesn't necessarily just um, require, um, you know, the installation of a certain software. It's it's also um, it's also systems and, and, and processes and, and and also like it needs to be somehow infused into the culture because it's about cyber resilience too, right? Absolutely, and and it's such a great term that you bring up there, uh, Christian. You know, cyber resilience, and again, really trying to break this myth that cybersecurity is the domain of IT. You know, so yeah. many small and mid sized business leaders and executives still say, "Oh, well, you know, our IT guy deals with it, or you know, our it's that's the responsibility of our IT service provider." The operational aspects of cybersecurity you can outsource. You cannot outsource the strategic governance and oversight um, and due diligence. That is owned by um, the executives. That's owned by the board. Um, just, you know, if, let's say there was a data breach and you say, oh, well, we, you know, we trusted our IT service provider. And if this went to, you know, to, to court and, you know, your, your shareholders were, were suing you, that argument, you'd be laughed out of court. Uh, the judge would, would throw the book at you figuratively and literally you know uh, that, that's just that's that's not pleading ignorance is no longer a valid uh, legal <laughs> argument in, in exactly in the, in the digital age so um, yeah that's what's so important to understand is that at the end of the day this isn't an it risk this is a business risk mm. wow that advice itself my friend is worth its weight in gold right? <laughs> people listening to this <laughs> Should should rewind this part of the interview and take notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean it, man. I mean it. Um, 
Speaking of which, and you know, you you've been in this, you know, you've been in this business for quite a long time. So why don't you um talk um talk to us about some of the most um you know some of the most common cyber threats that you've seen in your line of work and for if sure. you can provide some examples of how you dealt with them. Yeah, for sure, for sure, Christian. You know the right now what we're seeing in this uh, in the small and mid-sized business scene there, there's there's two main threats which are just running amok and causing okay. so much damage and uh, misery. Yeah. uh the first one is ransomware so for for your your listeners who don't know what ransomware is it's basically um sort of the equivalent of, of kidnapping for the 21st century uh basically it is it is kidnapping access to your data and access to your systems um, and it's basically uh, focusing on the um, the availability of your data. You know, if you're even if you're an organization that you say, "Oh, we don't have any sensitive data." Okay, well, maybe the confidentiality of your data isn't important, but I'm pretty damn sure that the availability of your data is, and that's what ransomware is really prying on right now: uh, the ability to take away those systems. And there's so many, so many small, mid-sized businesses are just not. Um, and I'll use the term that you mentioned earlier resilient or have enough cyber resilience to recover in the face of ransomware. Uh, right now, I think mean, the stats are very hard to come by, but you know, the guesstimates are that upwards of, of three quarters of, of at least Canadian small and mid-sized businesses are, are being uh, forced to basically pay a ransom. They do not have That's the ability. Crazy. Yeah. They do not have the ability to recover uh, that data. Uh, what's even more startling, though, is that there is a sizable minority, I'm going to say probably anywhere between 15 to 25 percent of Canadian, of at least, let's say just small, mid-sized businesses, probably in North America, I'd say the numbers would be similar in the U.S., um, that not only do they get hit once and pay, but they get hit, uh, uh, hit a second and third and fourth time, and they choose to keep paying. I have had conversations with prospects who have said they would rather keep paying a ransom than to invest proactively in cybersecurity. That's the type of mindset that, as a practitioner, makes me want to smash my head through a wall or smash their well, head. shocking, isn't it? Or smash That's their head shocking. through a wall. That would probably be less painful for me. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's shocking. you know. And, and again, it, it speaks to just how dangerously out of touch uh, many small and mid-sized business leaders are. You know, So it's... There's still so much awareness that that needs to happen in that space, and this is why cyber criminals are are just uh, keeping the pedal down when it comes to ransomware. This this is so so lucrative for them. Hell, if I was in their shoes, I would I would keep doing what they're doing because there is so much ignorance on the SMB side right now. Uh, the other the other threat, uh, sort of a one B to the ransomware one A. Um, is what's uh, basically an extension of phishing. Uh, it's what is referred to as business email compromise. And these generally take the form of uh, fraudulent wire transfer requests. And uh, the funny thing here is that these aren't, aren't exploiting a, a technical vulnerability per se. Uh, what they are exploiting is a procedural uh, immaturity. And I'll explain what right. I mean by that in, in a sec. But yeah. uh, generally, it's an email that looks like it's coming from a CEO, CFO, VP of finance, someone high enough up in the food chain that they are asking someone in accounts payable or someone who has the authority to initiate a wire transfer to send you know, a wire transfer of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe to a new vendor or someone, uh, someone who's, who's owned money by the company. Uh, and um, uh, there's often again great sense of urgency. These tend to be sent as well when the CEO or you know, the, the executive is out of office. 
So basically these email accounts are end up being compromised and they're basically looking like it's coming from the CEO or CFO who have you. And uh, the, the procedural immaturity uh, which is being exploited is that for most small and mid-sized businesses, there isn't an additional form of validation when it comes to initiating wire transfers. With larger organizations, there is there's a bit more rigor in terms of initiating a wire transfer over a certain threshold. You know, again, depending right. on the organization's threshold, it could be yeah. 5,000, 10, 15, 50, what, what have you. Uh, but with many small and mid-sized businesses, there isn't that extra form of validation. And this is where, uh, back to what I was mentioning earlier about, you know, investing in cybersecurity can just be, you know, shoring up from a policy and process perspective. This is a great example. All you have to do here is add an additional form of validation. Yeah, rather than just blindly taking that email as validation, uh, whoever receives that email needs to validate that through another communication mechanism. So by texting the person or, or uh, uh, calling them or sending them a message on the company uh, instant messaging platform, what have you? Send a carrier pigeon, uh, but you are validating <laughs> it through another form, not just that same communication mechanism. Just doing that pretty much eliminates that threat. Um, so it's it's a good example of of how you know just a little bit of awareness can go a long, long way. Yeah, no, that's a, th th those are really great points, and you know it's it's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, like I I don't know if I should call that a, a hack, but it kind of is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, it's and, and, and you, you see it like um, you, you see that kind of like, um, you know, um, yeah, resilience, if you will, um, transcend across to to other companies as well. Like, for example, uh, Wealthsimple, pretty yeah. big company here in Canada. They've recently added this double uh, this the second layer of in, you know, security yeah. um, onto their platform. So it's not just, you know, you, you log in with your username and password. You actually need to um, enter in a security code, which they will send either to your email or to your uh, mobile device, you know, to a mobile phone or something like that. And, and then you can, you know, you can enter the platform that way, you know, whereas previously, you know, you just needed, you know, they just had that one layer and then that was it. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think that that's, yeah. that's a great example of, again, when organizations are, are, are trying to take that, um, that, that level of security uh, seriously, yeah. you know, and, and seriously, and, you yeah. know, what's, what's funny is that, um, at least, you know, given the, given maybe more of a Canadian spin as well here, uh, is that, mm -hmm. um, many Europeans, when they come and live here in, in Canada, uh, yeah. and then they use the banking services here, they're blown away by the fact that most of the online banking services here do not require an additional form of authentication. It is still a yeah. human password. Uh, they, Europe is light years ahead of, of security mm. and privacy in, in that regard. And uh, there have been multiple calls for action for uh, for the banks to, to take that more seriously. And um, I mean, I'm sure that day is coming soon, but I mean, that's a good example, especially with something like Wealthsimple, that, you know, that, that, yeah. that that's just basic table stakes now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you spoke about this a little bit earlier, but um, I'd like to jam on this a little bit further. Uh, you know, let's try to um, separate fact from fiction here. So talk to us about some of the major or the top uh, misconceptions that businesses have about cybersecurity. And you already mentioned one of them, right? Yeah. When it, when it, when it comes to uh, um, sort of those, those prevailing myths and, you know, there's, 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 there's a couple, you know, which I'll, I'll hit on. So one is again to just revisit that one, which um, 
cyber risk is the domain of our, your IT team, your IT service provider. Mm-hmm. Dang- yeah. Dangerous mindset. You know, again, you yeah. outsource operational aspects of security, but you cannot mm-hmm. outsource that ownership. At the end of the day, strategic right. a- a- any type of risk has to be owned by the board in the C-suite. It doesn't matter if it's financial risk, operational risk, personnel risk. Cyber risk is part of that enterprise risk portfolio. You own that. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you are asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, that's, yeah. that's uh, myth number one. Uh, another common w- uh, myth is that, uh, oh, we have cyber insurance. You know, we, we don't, we're not worried. And it's like, well, you know what? And the reason why that's a, a myth, and I love bust- busting that one, is that I like to tell people, hey, you know what? If we're playing Monopoly, uh, sure, then yeah, that can be your get out of jail card. But this is real friggin' life. The you know cyber insurance is not a get out of jail card uh, when it comes to cyber attacks. Um, that's like me saying, hey, you know what? I have fire insurance. I'm gonna uh, rip out all my smoke alarms. I'm going to throw a bunch of dry wood around the place, and I'm just gonna walk around uh, lighting matches, and I'm gonna toss my fire extinguisher. Um, oh. It does. It, it that, that's what people are basically doing in the digital sense. Yeah. They just say, "Oh, we're just going to take a, a, a out cyber insurance." C- cyber insurance and insurance in general is a very good risk management tool. You know, don't don't get get me wrong, uh, but it's it's meant for addressing residual risk. It does not address inherent risk, and I cannot tell you how many organizations have reached out to us, uh, basically crying, saying we we've spent money on cyber insurance. We didn't realize we actually had to do something about it. Now we've been hit and our insurance provider is saying we did nothing to address the inherent risk. Now we can't get the, the payout. And what should we do? And I was like, well, you know, the first thing you should do is invent a friggin' time machine. But uh, other than that, yeah, there's not much you can do, you know? So uh, um, it's just, again, that, that is a myth. It just blows me away that people still think that that is a get out of jail card. Uh, and again, that's a false sense of security mindset. Um, so for, again, your listeners there, Cyber insurance, again, fantastic um, risk management tool and instrument. I'm not saying not to get it, but it is not the only tool. And it is not a get out of jail card. You have to address the inherent risk first. Um, so that that's uh, uh, another common myth. And so the, the, the third myth, which I, I hear quite a bit is, um, oh, we have antivirus and we know not to click on the Nigerian print scams. And we're, we're good. Oh, we, yeah. we don't need to worry about cybersecurity. To which I always, you know, mockingly clap back and say, hey, you know what? This was 1995. There'd be nothing more for me to do. Uh, but this is 2020. So you can either keep living in the past like a child or you can modernize and realize that the threat landscape of 2020 is far, far, far different than what you were dealing with in 1995. Um, and again, that goes back again to that um, level of awareness, and especially in the SMB um, arena. Um there's that that uh, false sense of security. All three of those myths tie back to a false sense of security. Uh, uh, organizations really need to understand that cyber risk, especially especially for small and mid-sized organizations, it's an existential risk. And you know, people always struggle when I when I say, you know, what type of company has the most to lose when it comes to cyber risk? Is it a large enterprise company or is it a small company? And inevitably, most people say, well, it's a large company. They have the most money to lose. And I say, no, it's actually not. You know, the you know, studies have shown over the past 20, 25 years or so, all the massive data breaches, which, you know, are, you know the mainstream media covers you know, for large organizations, they all recover. Their stock prices all recover. None of them go out of business. What you don't. Yeah, exactly. What, what you don't see is the small businesses. Those small businesses, if they get hit by a cyber uh, attack or something by ransomware, 
do they have an extra hundred thousand laying around? Two hundred thousand? A million? Uh, especially during COVID, most SMBs are you know many of them are struggling just to make payroll. Uh, this if you get hit by something like that, it is a can be a death blow. It is an existential risk. Your very business can go out of business, and that's the bit that I think is that or that fundamental disconnect, which is is so um, is, is is missing so much is that it, it, it's not it's not a we're not at that spot where it's just for big businesses to worry about. Uh, those who should be sweating it the most are the small businesses, and they're not. Indeed, indeed. I mean. Uh... Dominic, if I may, you've laid that out so beautifully, and I'm going to use this um, '90s term, right? You've laid it out so beautifully, and I hope people, um, you know, listening to this are aware of the clear and present danger. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for done. getting that. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. <laughs> Nicely done, my friend. Yes, but 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 it's so true, though. I mean, like you know, you've listed you listed the different types of threats, and then also the misconceptions that people have, and you know, believe you me, there's still plenty of people out there that that feel that you know they've they've gotten that cyber insurance and then they're good to go and they've got that antivirus and then that's it right and they don't have to worry about anything else yeah right yeah so hopefully when they listen to people like you they'll think twice and go back and have a look yeah right so that's the hope <laughs> yeah that's the hope right that's the hope what well, one can hope yeah one can hope <laughs> yeah i mean you, you know you spoke about it earlier and i mean you know this is probably the the massive understatement of the year but these have undoubtedly been very challenging times. Yes. And you've had to work with clients that have either had their budgets reduced or taken away from them. Right. Yeah. And we've spoken to, we've probably, we, you and I both have probably spoken to people that are one of those two categories. Yes. So tell us about how you've helped clients deal with these adversities. So in your particular case, I would say, um, how do you deal with clients that go to you or come up to you and say, Hey, listen, um, Dominic, you know, we've got, We've got some issues. Uh, we need your help, um, you know, in terms of cybersecurity and whatnot. But listen, you know, it's been hard. Budget's been cut, or you know, what what can we do? Yes, yes, you know, and and, and um, you know, especially during this time, really, what it's it's focusing on is um, just trying to prioritize your cyber risk. You know, where are the mm -hmm. areas where you can get the biggest bang for your buck? In which, if you're only able to um, you know invest a little bit of money. Uh, which one's going to give you that that biggest bang? Uh, and that's where, again, following something like the 80-20 principle uh, can mm -hmm. go a long, long way. You know, I, I'm a firm mm -hmm. believer that you don't need to try and tackle everything, especially during yeah. a pandemic, um, you know, but you need to at least take a risk-based prioritization approach. So if something yeah. like, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, investing in the security awareness uh, capabilities of your team or mm. uh, shoring up the secure data handling pr practices. That's the type yeah. of stuff in which that can have a very high ROI and doesn't require mm. too much of an investment other than a time investment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's really important to even just get that those outsider eyes. Um, and again, hopefully this doesn't sound too uh, self-fulfilling uh, here, but you know, being able to engage with an advisor to be able to help you identify what areas, what gaps should you address and what yes. gaps will give you again that biggest bang for your buck. Uh, right. And that's what we've been able to help our clients and and uh, both our existing clients and our new clients that we've onboarded during the pandemic is, again, to just be able to uh, take whatever security dollars they have and stretch them as, as far as we possibly can. Mm. Exactly. Because, you, you know, like, um, you know, for lack of a better description, it's it's kind of about like, you know, helping them to, you know, um, survive and just just get over that just get over that hill somehow. Right. In one piece. It, it, exactly. 
you know, and, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's so, uh, that's so much the, um, the, the mindset, you know, is, is yeah. we're all in survival mode right now. Um, mm. let's just make sure that we're able to at least, uh, address the most critical needs when it comes to cyber risk during this time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second, but first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. All right, Dominic, um, let me drop some statistics on you before I ask you my next question. Sure. But I'm going to be very honest and say that, you know, when I when I first saw these statistics, I was a little bit taken aback. <laughs> but we're, we're going to talk about that in a second. All right. So there was a report that came out by the uh, the Canadian Internet Registration Authority or CIRA. Yeah. Right. So uh, four points. And this is probably, you know, this is clearly talking about 2020 and, and, and some of it is talking about like next year. So first point is fewer companies expect to increase resources dedicated to cybersecurity in the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. And that's down from 45% in 2019. Right. I mean, that that in itself for me is a shocker. Yeah. Um, point number two, <clears throat> three in 10 organizations have seen a spike in the volume of attacks during the pandemic, as you've said in the past couple of minutes, mm -hmm. right? Um, point number three, slightly more than half of organizations implemented new cybersecurity protections directly in response to COVID-19 slightly more than half yeah. right and the last point one quarter of organizations experienced a breach of customer and or employee data last year and another 38 percent don't know if they did or did not right. another 38 percent right yeah so here's the question based on the report so why do you think that there's so many organizations out there in, at least in canada that are not giving cybersecurity, you know the time of day or the attention that it deserves well, you know, it, it, it's we're still very much um, in the uh, what I'll refer to as the reactive stage uh, when it comes to investing in cybersecurity. Um, you know, and again, enterprises, uh, large organizations went through this same trajectory as well uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and, you know, it's you know, small, mid-sized businesses are going to be going through that same trajectory as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's not surprising that we are in this reactive state. And just the evolution of, of, of how um, cybersecurity will eventually be adopted uh, by by organizations. It's uh, and that's true with a lot of just law of change or technologies. It, it does take time, you know. And uh, what what I'm expecting to see as well is, uh, or the analogy I'll give is sort of what we saw what, what happened with the automobile industry. So cars were inherently unsafe. I mean, they were death traps right until the you know the 1980s. Uh, and it wasn't until there was greater consumer advocacy, uh, mainly led by Ralph Nader in the U.S., that led to significant safety changes. And now when you flash forward to today, when you watch an average car commercial, you just pick a random car commercial, uh, what are they competing on? Safety. You know, they're talking about the safety features, safety crash ratings, the, the uh, safety awards they've won. It has, become, it has gone from being no thought to, you know, an afterthought to then being uh, a source of competitive differentiation. And then that's sort of the evolution that we will see right now. Um, we're sort of straddling that, you know, companies, small mid-sized businesses don't give it any thought or it's an afterthought. Uh, but over the next, I'm going to say five to 15 years, it will become more and more uh, of a competitive advantage for uh, every organization, big, big or small. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's a that's a great insight, and I and I love that you used the um, automobile comparison because that's probably the most straightforward way to explain that, right? Like, yes, yeah, yes, for, for um, sure, it's a real world example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly, real world example. That's absolutely it. Um, you know, we we talked about cyber resilience a little bit earlier, right? But um, you know, let's just let's just circle back to that and like you know, talk to us about like you know, what are some of the steps that um. You know, B two B businesses or, or you know, like uh, small medium businesses, um, you know, can take um, and uh, why cyber resilience uh, should be, um, you know, in the interest of you know, why why should it be everyone's business? Yeah, <laughs> good, yeah I know. good, 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 good <laughs> open ended question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the reason why I would say it should be everyone's business is that. Um, to me, it's something which is um, fundamentally tied down to the fact that organizations are increasingly more reliant on digital technologies. Uh, and um, wh- whether your organization falls under regulatory requirements, whether there's contractual, contractual requirements, um, and as I alluded to uh, just a few minutes ago, um, there'll be, soon be competitive requirements as well, you know? So uh, to me, the, we are at a point in time where uh, organizations can able, either embrace it or they, uh, and again, to me, it's almost a form of innovation. Uh, you know, in, the old ad is innovate or die. Um, we saw what happened, you know, Blockbuster, Kodak, uh, you, know, uh, you can either be part of the past or you can be part of the future. Uh, and for organizations that want to be part of the future, invest in cybersecurity. Otherwise, you know, pull out your VHS and enjoy your time at Blockbuster. <laughs> and have a Kodak moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're shame, my friend. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Had to, had to jump on the bad morning in there. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, yeah. Um, what are your top three uh, future predictions for cybersecurity? And, and let's face it, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to continuously evolve. Yeah, right? for 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 sure, for sure. You know, and and to me, the uh, um, I'm looking at my crystal ball or magic eight ball. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. To me, uh, and one of them I already mentioned, we're we're going to see more of a focus on security being a competitive advantage rather than just dwelling on it as being you know, pre- you know, stopping or protecting against the bad guys. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. always been the main narrative. Uh, yes. And so I think as the, that the narrative of business advantage is going to become more, more to the forefront, uh, in my opinion there. Um, number, uh, the, the second one I'd say is that we're going to see, um, we're going to see uh, a, a, a lot of organizations, um, uh, I don't want to say disappear, but become less relevant. Uh, and again, I'd say this is somewhat of an offshoot or corollary to the first point: is that those that embrace security are going to be part of that, you know, digital economy 2.0. Those that ignore it uh, and choose not to, um, their their shelf life is is and their their time to expire is is rapidly coming. Uh, I think over the next five fifteen years, we'll, we'll we will clearly see who is invested and who hasn't uh, in in cybersecurity. Uh, the third one is that um, we're going to, especially in the short term, we're going to keep experiencing a lot of pain, uh, especially the SMB community. Um, ransomware is going to continue to be 
uh, just running rampant uh, uh, over the next, uh, I'm going to say at least the next three to five years. It's going to be very, very present. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. A lot of organizations are going to going to suffer, and either they'll they'll go out of business or they'll be able to recover and learn a valuable lesson. So um, there's there's still a lot of, of you know short term pain coming o- over the horizon. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some of it is good. Some of them are grim predictions, but you know, like you, you, you got to paint it for what it is, right? Like, um, you know, and, and, and this is going back to the whole, um, you know, um, concept of, of cyber resilience. This is the reason why you're, why you're continuously driving that point home about, you know, companies have to um, take those necessary precautions. They shouldn't be complacent when it comes to cybersecurity. Exactly. You know, complacency, um, complacency and a false sense of security is the greatest risk right now. You know, I often get asked by many prospects, you know, and they'll say, you know, well, what's our greatest, you know, uh, risk right now? You know, is it, uh, is it ransomware? Is it this? Is it that? You know, should we be worrying about the Russians? And I was like, you know what? Your, your greatest risk right now is yourself. You know, if you, if you, uh, if you're not taking this risk seriously, um, you know, it doesn't matter what the hell the Russians are doing. You know, you are your greatest enemy. Um, so uh, th- that's what I would, you know, say to a lot of organizations is, you know, um, fix, fix the mindset first. Uh, yeah. The rest will follow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, yeah. We come to one of the, my, you know, one of my favorite parts of the interview. It's um, it's discussing commonly held beliefs, right? But this one has a bit of a twist to it. So talk to us about a commonly held belief in the field of cybersecurity that you strongly disagree with and why. Oh, good question. Uh, One of the things that often bothers me about cybersecurity uh, professionals, and this isn't all of them, but there's still many who who do believe this and many IT professionals as well, um, where they, you know, they'll, they'll blame the user. You know, they'll always say, well, you know, things would be so much better if people weren't stupid, you know, if, you know the users are a bunch of idiots. Um, that is such a crappy mindset, uh, you know, and, and there, that, that further wedges the divide of us versus them. That further uh, enforces the stereotype of why, you know, there's the business side of things and the IT side of things, and neither side seems to understand one another. Um, there's a complete lack of empathy and understanding there. Um, and wanting to help, you know, uh, it, it's like, a, it's come a long way. It's a lot, it's a lot better than from when I first entered industry. Uh, and even just referring to people as users, you know, seems just so cold, you know, I mean, especially if you're an internal you know, security person or you work for a company and you're an internal IT person, they're not users, they're your colleagues, they're your fellow employees, you know, they're not, they're not users. Um, you know, so, um, that, that to me is one of those long held beliefs, which is always, um, um, always pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For lack of a better word. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, but that's absolutely true though. Um, so name one thing that you think, um, you know, people should start and one thing people should stop doing when it comes to cybersecurity. <sighs> Good question. Um, when it comes to, I would say from a start perspective, um, start doing the basics and start doing them well. Uh, you know, assess what those basics are. Fa- assess the foundation. Uh, so many organizations will, um, especially people who are, are really caught up on technology, will say, "Oh, you know, I just bought, you know, I, you know, dropped two hundred thousand on the state of the art security technology." And I was like, "Well, okay, but you know, you're not using multi-factor authentication on your 
on your email or your remote access, that's sort of like saying, wow, look at this really great satellite system I put in my house, but I leave my front door open so someone can come and steal it. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's um, start doing the basics and do, and do them well. Um, mm-hmm. From a stop perspective, um, I uh, almost probably beat the same drum or drum, drum beat I've been hitting quite a bit is um, stop the false sense of security. Stop saying that we are a small business. No one's going to come after us. Stop saying that no one, um, uh, we have, we don't have any, any valuable data. Um, stop saying uh, uh, that you know, uh, we're secure, uh, but you have no way of proving it. Um, you know, that, that's stop that false sense of security. That is, that is the most dangerous thing uh, uh, facing small businesses right now is, is that false sense of security. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are, those are definitely some like, you know, fantastic insights. I mean, like, you know, all, all of the advice that you've given on this interview, man, that was worth $10,000 already. Right? So, <laughs> I always leave the value. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, uh, Dominic, this has been so incredibly insightful, um, engaging and extremely informative. I mean, I certainly hope that, you know, People that were, you know, that are listening to this interview, um, that not not only do they get a lot of value out of this, but most importantly, they'll they'll start to take cybersecurity seriously, you know, especially when it comes to their, um, you know, their businesses and organizations. So, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Uh, gr- great question. Um, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, just find me, Dominic Vogel. I'm the o- only one out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please, I, I love it when people reach out and, and connect to me on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, people can uh, f- uh, just even just go to our website, cyber.sc. Uh, drop mm-hmm. a, a, an email there. That, that, that'll eventually make its way to me. Or you can just email me directly, dvogel at cyber.sc. Uh, but for any of your listeners, please, uh, uh, there's an open uh, invitation for them to reach out anytime. Fantastic. Dominic, this session has been nothing short of incredible. Thank you again so much for your time. And, um, you know, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Christian, that was an absolute blast, my friend. Truly humble. Thank you again. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.